Welcome to the Hedge for Humanity podcast, where we explore innovative ideas and the forward-thinking people behind them. I'm Jonathan Freshen, and in this episode, I speak with Adam Stollard and Philip Silva of the Bright ID Project. Bright ID is an open-source, global, unique identity protocol that keeps fake people out of applications. We talk about how it works, why we need it, and what unique identity can do to both solve problems facing the internet today as well as exciting new doors that it opens. I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, so uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Really excited to talk to both of you. Um, this is a topic I'm really interested in and I would st- have a lot more I would love to learn about it and I'm sure everyone listening would as well. Um, we're talking about unique identity today um, and I, I think uh, both of you will do a much better uh, job than myself at summarizing what that is. So if you'd like to start with that, I'd love to hear more about what is unique identity? What does it mean? Will we be hearing more of this in the future? Yeah. Um, yeah, I can go first. Maybe maybe both of us can explain what we, what we feel unique identity is. But um, unique identity is trying to solve the problem of how do you make sure that within a given system, that a person has only one account. And so this is an important problem uh, for a lot of different scenarios. If you want to give anything away, a universal dividend, or if you want to um, give away uh, any sort of prizes or rewards, or you want to um, involve people in a way uh, where, where there's a vote, or a decision to be made where they they have one vote that they can cast or even uh, more elaborate voting systems um, such as quadratic voting and and uh, you know, other types of voting systems but uh, these are all places where unique identity is important um, and 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 it's more than just that there's uh, it enhances a bunch of systems um, like uh, if you've got if you've got um, a social network, for instance, it's it. It would be nice to be able to flip a switch and say, "Okay, all the all the fake votes, all the right. uh, bots, just filter them, get them out of here." So that's I'll, that's what we're going for with un, with unique identity. I'll, I'll jump in with this uh, a little simplification: is that in the in the real regular physical world, it's really obvious who's a person and who's not. You know, there's three of us on on this video chat right now. Or if we were sitting around a table, it'd be super obvious each one of us was a person. In the digital realm, that's not true. You could have as many instances in the digital realm as, as, as you want. You could, you could have a million people, but really it's only one. Um, the biggest things that are going to scale in the world are all digital, as is being proven out every day. Um, if we want those to be able to, to, to scale, to, to do good in the world, we, we need to have everyone be able to have unique digital identity, just like they have unique physical identity now. Absolutely. And, and I think this is really kind of 
coming to a boil right now in terms of seeing how problematic it really is in so many different ways. Uh, I feel, I feel like every time I go to a major social network now, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, um, you'll see comments and they'll, they'll seem suspect and lo and behold, you know, anytime you see an inflammatory comment, you're, you're won't be surprised if that is from a post that clearly, uh, and then sometimes not so clearly might be somebody who's not who they claim to be. And, and it's, uh, it's causing a lot of, of hostility and, and kind of really stirring up the pot globally. And it's something I think a lot of people are, are really underappreciating in terms of that element. But really what's so cool about the implementation of a unique identity is, is how far-reaching some of these uh, problems and solutions kind of go. It's fun just to do a brainstorming session of, of all the ways in which having a unique ID can help from something as simple as like a coupon that you can only use once to voting to uh, making sure that your, your comment is legitimate and not inspired by some Russian agenda or some geopolitical you know, insights. Um, now, one comment I wanted to bring up, this is something we were talking about a little before we started recording. Um, I had initially said the phrase sovereign identity, and Adam corrected me saying he preferred uh, the, the phrase uh, unique or social ID. Um, and I think that's a really interesting um, differentiation because sovereign kind of uh, essentially means that your your identity is, is non-anonymous. Is that a good way to to separate the difference or what, what is the reason behind preferring kind of unique to sovereign? Well, there's a, there's a lot of self sovereign identity solutions and what they're doing is really important. It's going to revolutionize how we do business and uh, a lot of other things, but um, they're not, uh, there's no specific solution in there on how to solve for unique identity, which is this one account per person problem. Um, they're good at allowing you to, to manage your own um, claims about, your, uh, about parts of your identity and to share those with, with the appropriate people at, in the appropriate ways. Um, so it, it's, it's really important, but um, this particular problem, which is, um, the unique identity problem. How do you make sure that the person is unique in the system? Um, that has its own um, that has its own use cases, yeah, um, its its own benefits, and there's no um, agreed upon solution. When you look at all the self sovereign identity solutions, uh, you you can't. Uh, th there's no um, consensus about what would constitute a unique identity as far as these different pieces. And what you said about remaining anonymous, um, that's, a, that's a key because um, there is, uh, there's kind of this, this idea that, well, if we collect enough data about someone, then, and we have like this overwhelming amount of data, then, uh, then we'll be able to prove that they're unique. But that's, I mean, that, that's a really, uh, I think a bad way to look at things. I think you want to look at it the other way. You want to say, what's the minimum amount of data that we need to collect about someone to prove that they're unique uh, or to share, share about someone. We think there's a lot of instances where the, the only information something needs is that you haven't gotten yours yet. 
So I like the example of, so a coffee shop is willing to give one free cup of coffee to anyone that walks in. You know, it'd be great marketing. They're, sure, of course they're willing to give away one free cup. If there's some way that they can ensure that any one person only ever gets their one cup, they can't come in and get 10. But on the, on the flip side, that coffee shop doesn't need to know any personal information about you. They don't need to know your name, your address, your social security number, your Facebook, your Facebook account, your Twitter handle. They don't need any of that. And with a solution like Bright ID for Unique Identity, all you're doing is proving that you haven't been in to get your cup of coffee before. That's it. No further information is provided. Um, the, the same thing can be true sort of for, for voting, right? If, if you're going for two true democracy where everyone is allowed to vote, great. You don't need to know anything. You just need to know they didn't already So. Right, sure. And and I definitely agree that typically when it comes to solutions, it's always the ones that can uh, simplify the solution as much as possible that really make a difference. And, and one of the big challenges um, facing a lot of the global identity realm is, is you also have these parts of the world where people really don't have sufficient means to provide piles of documentation. And, and a lot of that documentation isn't nearly as reliable because of fraudulence and forgery. So um, I really love the idea of saying, all right, well, why don't we take this, um, move this away from documents and, and a lot, all these like physical elements to, and move it to more of a web of trust, social trust methodology, which really you know, is something almost much more deeply in tune with human beings and, and our history. I, I think when we move away from the realm of, of these massive uh, cities and, and states and nations back to maybe our more tribal roots, uh, it was much more easy to say, uh, that's who that is because I can attest from the people around me and we know them. And, and so uh, maybe you could go into a little bit more depth now of exactly how Bright Ideas planning to take on this, this concept of unique identity and, and how Web of Trust plays in and, and maybe any other important elements that, that make this all happen. Yeah, sure. So uh, the way that Bright ID works is it's a, um, a graph of, of how people are interconnected. Um, and this is this is nothing new. Um, this is a, this has existed for a while in in several different applications. Um, probably the most well known social graph is the one that that we have on Facebook. Um, the problem is that Facebook doesn't have um, a singular motivation to uh, make sure that everyone in their system is is unique. And um, and even if they did. Um, they don't. They also don't have the the motivation per se to make that um, freely available and auditable um, by by anyone. Um, and so there needs to be a reboot of that. There needs to be a social network, um, or not really a network, but a, a social graph, a, a, a connection of of all of humanity um, that has this focus that everyone in it is unique and that uh, that is then usable and uh, and can be built on by by any kind of application um, that and isn't owned by anyone and isn't out trying to collect uh, personal data from you and use it for who knows what um, and then as far as how bright id actually uses that and analyzes it um, we we use uh, 
there's different um, techniques for graph analysis that can uh, look at the look at the way that people are connected, and um, and and make judgments about uh, who is likely to be uh, a unique person and 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 which regions are likely to be uh, fake people, someone creating uh, you know bunches of accounts just to use for themselves. Um, and but the key, the core. A uh, fundamental piece of all of this is a cryptographically signed connection between you and me. Uh, you and you and I decide that we're going to connect, and we both sign that so that it's irrefutable that that happened. Um, and then we collect all of those, and that's that's what we end up analyzing. And we have uh, we have um, techniques that we've. Uh, developed and improved upon based on um, techniques for social graph analysis that uh, from the literature and um, and uh, I, I don't know how deep we're going to get into those in, a, in, in this podcast but um, suffice it to say that uh, that you can um, that it is possible to um, to differentiate between um, between some uh, a, a unique person and a not unique person through graph analysis. So that's the, you know, the the top surface of the complicated layer of what Bright ID is, um, right, and right. we want the we hope the developers uh, out there will will get will get deep into that stuff from a normal person who doesn't follow any of this stuff, right? It's if you've got ten friends that you actually really know in real life. And they all say that there's another person named Mary, and they all know them. You can feel pretty confident that Mary exists because ten people you know said she exists. So Bright ID is that on a much grander global scale, where you're looking at everybody's connections to everybody else, um, and and figuring out from a holistic standpoint what parts of that look real and what and what don't. Um, what's what's also really exciting about Bright ID is we think we have a really innovative way to have computers look at that at that graph, but we don't think it's necessarily the best possible way. We assume yeah. that other other people will have brilliant ideas of how to do it even better. So we're going to run our way. We're going to encourage a whole bunch of other people to look at the same data set as us, come up with their ways of doing it. We'll all look at each other's ways, come up with the best ways, constantly evolve. Bad guy, bad people are going to try to figure out ways to, um, to, to break the system. And hopefully all, all the good people are going to keep finding ways to make it more and more robust. Yeah, and it's already been evolving um, over the last 15 years or so, the, the analysis techniques for analyzing social graphs and making determinations about, about who the fake and duplicate users are. Um, that's been evolving. And I think that, that it will accelerate massively once once um, Bright ID hits mainstream. Um, all the research that's going to go into it is just going to be incredible. Um, we've done our own little bits of research with our little team and and come up with uh, an analysis method that that we like. But that is by no means the end of the road. There's there's so much more that's gonna that's gonna come out of this. Well, what yeah. we're trying to create is a is a, a consistent framework that everybody can use for all sorts of purposes in this. It's, it, we call it an open protocol for humanity. Humanity has this problem they need, they need to solve digital unique identity. We're saying, look, here's this totally open platform. It doesn't cost anything to use it. It's, the, 
every bit of the code is open source. Come use this communal framework together, sort of like the, the protocols that underlie the internet. Um, everybody uses TCP IP. And because everybody uses it, we can build the internet on it. Um, if that was some company's protocol, it wouldn't work. Right. And, and I think just like the internet, you, you know, not making it a private single company's um, motivation based on profit uh, is, is really important. And, and kind of going back to that whole concept of motivation, I think that's a really important topic and, and one that is also part of the reason you're without projects like yourselves will will have a harder time seeing the solution come anytime soon because i mean you look at facebook instagram youtube uh so much of their interaction is is number one they're getting metrics based on users and and based on 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 how often you know with facebook when a post happens their algorithm basically uh the more inflammatory the <laughs> the post it actually ends up getting more uh, attention and more interaction so it helps in their algorithm and and of course that is is massively increased by having these these fake identities and and these fraudulent accounts coming into the system and just basically lighting a fire on on topics so um you know the the tragedy of sometimes and same thing happening in news and clickbait is that there there's a negative incentive sometimes to do the, the better option when it comes to things like identity when you're going from a for-profit perspective. So I, I think it's a really important uh, area to have a nonprofit motivation and a decentralized motivation. Um, so it's really good to see that element. Um, how, how do you feel the, the layout of, of, you know, the, a lot of these topics, a lot of these key, these words of, of decentralization and peer to peer, these are very commonly used as well in the cryptocurrency blockchain space. Um, what do you see as, as the steps towards making that a reality? How is this not, um, how is this decentralized? What, what is the, the methodology behind bright ID that allows that to be the case? Right. So it starts with, the fact that um, that anyone can run a node in our system and have access to this social graph and do anything they want with it, um, analyze it in any way that they want um, to try to make these uh, judgments about about uh, who represents a unique person, um, and then uh, and, and then from there, um, there's there's there are other aspects of. Um, of how this is, of how it's decentralized, because there are, um, there may be uh, ways of determining who is, who's tr who is, is pre-trusted. Uh, the way our current algorithm works that we're using as a reference is, um, is you, you have uh, seed, seed locations or seed, uh, seed groups or seed people that are in the graph and the trust kind of disseminates from them. Um, and then it, but it's up to each, each node that runs, um, that, that runs bright ID to decide how they want to do that or how they want to use that. Um, and so how, how you come to that determination, uh, is, is an area where, uh, it, it's open to a lot of decentralization. It's open to, um, to democratic processes for deciding, uh, you know, who, who, who should be trusted on a kind of like a larger scale. 
or 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 even uh, like smaller communities um, using it who who should be the trusted representatives of the community things like that so um, so there so from a technical standpoint there's all these different ways you can do things um, that are decentralized and uh, and and we try to kind of step out of the way we just provide certain solutions as a reference and certain kind of research projects as a reference saying, Hey, this is the research we're doing. And this is, uh, these are the things we're trying out and you're welcome to use these and build on these. But if you don't like this or you want to change it in some way, uh, it, and you're running a node, you just do it the way you want. Um, and you, hopefully that will, that's that sort of open decentralized, uh, atmosphere will contribute to, uh, I think much greater, iteration and improvements in 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 and how it and how it works um so you know we don't want to be uh we want to step back and not not like be uh you know dictating how this is gonna how everything's gonna work we just want to provide the platform yeah absolutely and and i think um you've you've got so many of these famous examples now too of great big hacks happening of huge amounts of user information getting taken just seems like it's an ongoing and increasingly bigger issue. Um, so the whole honeypot syndrome of, of essentially having a huge amount of data in one place is, is increasingly problematic. And um, I see the, any, anything that, that leaves the central point of failure uh, solutions behind in terms of data and identity is a really big and important step forward because really the, the intelligence of, of some of these um, methodologies to hack into these uh, servers and data um, pools is just only increasing and, and we're just seeing bigger and bigger ones happening even on like government levels and you know huge um, massive corporations. Um, so one of the things I really love about how Bright ID works is that you've, it, it's basically a layer one solution. And then you have this layer two framework on top of that. Uh, so just uh, to summarize and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong here, you can um, take the Bright ID score, the, the trust score of, of this of a unique individual. I can take that framework and incorporate it into my own project and then build and custom make it on top of that. Um, so what you end up having is this baseline of your Bright ID score and then maybe a whole slew of different projects. Let's say you have your Instagram or Facebook or whatever all working on top of that with their own uh, score with specific additional parameters. Um, do, you, do you see this as being um, a big feature and, and maybe do you have anything to add to this kind of layer one layer two uh, methodology and how that'll unfold yeah so i would i would take a step down from that and say that um this even the score is not uh, necessarily something that's agreed upon by by all of the nodes in the system i think what the score really represents is where is your threshold for your particular application um, so it's really application specific. There may be some application that says um, we're tolerant to some extent. We want to be we want to be more tolerant. We want to let people in who are maybe on the fringes and uh, you know just starting out with Bright ID who maybe aren't well connected enough at the risk of also letting in some sibyls. And there may be some other application that wants to go the up other the opposite route and say 
well, we we don't want to we can't risk any sybil, so we're going to be super strict, and uh, and any known possible sybil attack that we can even think of, we need to protect against that, and so therefore, uh, we're we're risking um, keeping out some people who some some real people who just uh, aren't con well connected enough yet. Um, with the idea that in the future that they can they can become better connected and can become verified, but so so it's really up to the application to decide where that threshold is, and so uh, and 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 what the score means and how the score is computed. Um, but what we offer is uh, a framework that allows you to choose what verification uh, you want to use, and and what that means, where the threshold is. Uh, you can even choose what underlying computation you want to happen that that arrives at that verification. But yeah, let me jump in a second. Sure. Just to, to to summarize sort of how the, the the layers work. So layer one of Bright ID is a really small thing. It is it is the graph itself. So uh, Bright ID works with uh, public private key pairs. It is simply that 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 two, two keys have, have been connected, that can only happen in a cryptographically secure way. So you don't have to, there's not a question about whether or not it happens. Sort of math proves out that it happens. So that's, that's the connection data. All of, anyone looking at the graph agrees, yep, that really happened. One plus one equals two. Um, and Brightity offers a, will offer uh, a way for all the nodes to communicate with each other to make sure they all heard that same information that one plus one equals two. That's layer one, and it's, it, it's, it's a big deal, but it's also really small. Layer two gets into analysis. So if each of the three of us is running a node, we all agree on the underlying graph. We all look at exactly the same thing, but we all come to different opinions on exactly what it means. You know? um, and then let's say each of us was running an application, we can, we can have different uh, interpretations of, of who, who, who met the, who met the the needs for uh, qualifying for our systems. And then someone else says, well, I'm interested in having only unique users on my application, but I don't feel like running a node. They could query my node. They could query Adam's node. They could query all three and take an average. It's totally up to them. And we see that, 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 that multiple layer uh, being being really being really useful um, because if if a website suddenly doesn't like the way that Adam is reporting anymore, he can just flip right over, or he can always fire up his own node. Right, right, yeah. So the 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 multi layer thing I think is really important and actually adds a, a really big element of kind of self balancing out any issues that could arise and making sure if if different projects build on top of it and are looking like you said for a really high degree of certainty. You know, I think it kind of similar to to Elon Musk talking about what percentage um, of certainty do the cars need to have before yeah. they can drive. Uh, on roads without you know any interaction with a human being and you know and right now it's something like 99.9999 percent and and different <laughs> applications are going to require different levels of certainty too of course in the unique identity realm um, for instance with mana base uh, we're going to be looking at uh, probably in some areas a little stricter 
platforms because we're giving out value to every individual. And then there's also some interesting secondary layers, like if you can um, identify somebody's location and, and maybe some more information about them, it also can allow for empowering uh, individuals to to do direct giving to them in a way where we can have confidence there as well. So there's there's all sorts of really cool secondary um, built applications you can do on top of it, depending on the platform, and those can have different degrees of certainty. So it's going to be really cool to see how this all unfolds. Um, that being said, where do you see now where where Bright Ideas today and kind of realizing some of this? big picture. What are the next steps and what are the challenges that, that you guys are facing? Um, right. So there's, there's a lot to build and we, uh, our focus is building, building the core of Bright ID. So we're, we're pursuing partnerships, um, obviously with, with MANA and, and other, but, but with lots of other businesses. Um, and, and giving uh, preference to partnerships that say, yeah, go ahead and keep working on the core. The core is important. We support you in doing that. Um, so grants, uh, um, possibly even even in take, taking investments um, that uh, that allow us to continue to improve the core, because that's to me that's the that's the um, that's the thing that we want to make sure is always looked after. So um, there's there's it's a kind of this open source, free thing, a public good, if you will, that needs to be um, that needs to be continually um, sustained. And so that's what we're trying to do is make sure that we set up uh, an ecosystem that uh, that continually feeds back feeds the feeds the core. So the core al always gets what gets the support that it needs to keep. Um, to keep improving. Um, so yeah, so that's, that, that's, that's where we're at. But as far as specifically where we're at kind of in the timeline, um, we launched our beta in January at Aragon. Uh, Aragon was our, our first, well, one of our um, early sponsors. And Ar Aragon is a decentralized governance platform running right. on the Ethereum network. Yeah, that's right. And so, so Aragon um, funded getting us to our beta launch. So we have an application that allows people to connect with each other and to view what's known as a score. Um, right now, the scores don't do much rather than allow you to give yourself a pat on the back that you, you connected to enough people that the system thinks you're a real unique person. But um, uh, the, the, the important thing that we're doing right now are all the app integrations where people can say, okay, cool. I've been verified. Now, what do I do with that? And uh, being able to see, oh, cool. I can go here and I can get a dollar. Someone wants to give me a dollar just because I've been verified with bright ID and I can go here and I can participate in this, uh, you know, this, this cool new, decentralized autonomous organization because now I've been I've proven that I'm a unique member of of uh, the world's citizenry and so now I can participate in this this new decision-making thing um, or or s someone uh, you know comes onto a, a, a social network where uh, that, that allows for a bright ID filter to say I want I only want to see stuff that 
that I only want to see stuff from unique human beings. I don't want to see any of this bot stuff anymore. So these sorts of applications, integrations, that's that's the next big thing in our in our roadmap. Um, yeah, I, I'd love I'd love a future where uh, you could almost filter any site you go to to yeah. only show bright ID scored comments above a certain threshold. I think that would be f fantastic. I'd love that. And, and you know, also you know, looking into the future, and it sounds a little crazy. So so right now, if you if you do a, a, a chat online um, when you first start, you don't know if you're talking to a real person or a bot. More and more, it actually is right, a bot. Right. Now, if you talk to them for five minutes, you know that it's a bot. In the future, you're not going to know. Ten years from now, the, the, the AI is going to be so much better that that's not going to be clear. And, hey, if a bot can, can serve your customer service needs, that's totally fine. But right. I think that humanity has, has a right to know whether or not it is a real person that's serving them. You know, if the AI can do a great job and I get good customer service, hey, cool. But it should be noted that I'm talking to a bot, right? Uh, versus a real person. So Bright ID could could be a solution for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I I think getting to the the extremes of what um, AI and robot uh, interaction online are going to start looking like. Everyone kind of thinks that okay, you can. It's pretty easy to to know if it's a human being or not. But increasingly, it's not, and soon it will be nearly impossible. I mean, we have so many trillions of hours of data for for a computer to look at now in terms of human interaction online that um, even there's even um, I've seen some where they take people podcasters like Joe Rogan and different individuals who have done tons of online stuff and they can just literally have them say whatever they want yep. because they have enough data out there so it's going to become something where where it's it's, it's going to be crazy to see how all the ways in which this will get used and in some ways really for benefit, you know, actually having a customer service uh, experience that's very good, but others that will be far more. Right. Last night on Twitter, there was a, there's a little deep fake video going around that shows the shining starring Jim Carrey. <laughs> right. And, uh. and they, where they, they, they show both frames of, of Jack Nichols and Jim Carrey, and they've converted it. And I can imagine a future where, where you're like, oh yeah, Jim Carrey was starting. And they're like, no, 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 it was Jack. And then they show you the video, and you're like, oh, I guess it was Jim Carrey. I misremembered. Uh -huh. you know, the, right. The, the future that we're headed towards is going to uh, have endless digital manipulation. Um, right. In, in ways that it's hard for us to wrap our brain around now. Um, one thing that would be nice to set a, to set, you know, a marker in the sand is, what's a human and what's not sure right now I mean, that's obvious and most people would sort of snicker about not being able to tell mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not going to be so obvious in the future yeah and i think part of it is because we're we're not really programmed to think that's something we should be worried about and, and especially when you look at it from the real social perspective in, in a direct human interaction it's much more obvious you don't you know we're not made to to have to think about this issue and and it is increasingly becoming very um important but i don't i, I definitely don't think a lot of people really recognize how overwhelming it, it already is and and to the scope of the fa of how much you really won't be able to know if someone's real or isn't online and and the repercussions that has so it's it's really good that you guys are are 
working on this now because I see this as being one of, of the more maybe most critical issues in terms of this next stage in humanity and, and us evolving in a positive way rather than going down the wrong direction. Um, I'll throw out one more thing, and that's that um, most people don't try to fake their identity. They don't try to have lots of identities, right? Uh, the average person, probably most people listening to this, have never tried to have more than one identity, right? But there's a small minority of people that take massive advantage of the system. And I'll give the example of spam, right? We all get lots of spam email, and that's been happening for years. Originally, when spam exploded, it was like four guys who sent out billions of spam messages. And there's a book about it, the, the Kings of Spam, right? And it, it was this super small minority of people doing unbelievable volumes of this stuff. And, and that's, that's the same thing that happens with sort of the, the bots uh, and like social, you know, on social media. It's, it's not that everyone has three. It's that most people have one and a few people have tens of thousands. Right. And that's, I think, a really important point, too, because I think a lot of people may say, well, I don't, I'm not trying to fake an ID. I don't know anybody who's trying to do that. Why is this a problem? <laughs> but it is because it's that small percentage that makes such a massive impact. Um, well, if individuals want to try out Bright ID now, um, where, where do they go? What's the process? How do they learn more? Yeah, real easy to do. Go to brightid.org and download our beta. And then please come find us in Telegram, Matrix, Discord, um, and, and just talk to us about, give us feedback. We're, we're at the stage where we're um, looking for feedback on, on, on the UI and user experience, other, other things like that. So um, yeah, looking for that. And then, and then keep your eye out for applications coming really soon that you can that you can use with with bright id and we'll be we'll be posting about that so follow us on twitter bright id project on twitter um, to hear announcements about different app integrations that come up in the very near future yeah and then you can uh, also support bright id on hedge for humanity hedge and donate directly to their project also um, manabase will be integrating bright id too in the coming months and and hopefully soon you'll be able to check out our integration of that as well awesome awesome thank you all right well hey thanks so much guys it's been awesome talking to you and uh wish you all the best luck in making this vision a reality Thanks, All right. John. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to the Hedge for Humanity podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give us a positive rating.